Hello and welcome to Conversations with Sports Fans. I'm your host, Doug Hill, and in this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by a pair of sports fans, the founders of the nonprofit organization Grassroots Baseball, Gene Fruth and Jeff Idelson. Gene is an acclaimed photographer, photo storyteller based in the San Francisco Bay Area whose remarkable works have been featured in the Abraham Lincoln Presidential Museum, the Smithsonian, and the National Baseball Hall of Fame and Museum. Jeff spent 34 years working in professional baseball, spending time with both the Boston Red Sox and the New York Yankees. The lion's share of Jeff's time with the American pastime was spent in Cooperstown, New York, at the National Baseball Hall of Fame and Museum, including 11 years as its president. Gene and Jeff founded Grassroots Baseball in 2019, which has published two books featuring Gene's photography, Grassroots Baseball, Where Legends Begin, and Grassroots Baseball, Route 66. The organization's current project is Grassroots Baseball Women. I look forward to learning about Gene and Jeff's journey as sports fans, as well as the various Grassroots Baseball projects. Gene and Jeff, welcome to Conversations with Sports Fans. Oh, delighted to be here. Thanks for having us. Uh, glad to be with you. Now, thanks again for doing this, the two of you. Um, let's get right into it if we can. Um, Gene, the photography is remarkable, but but I'm really interested to learn, first of all, about just your, you know, perhaps your origin story as a sports fan. Well, when um, growing up in New York City, uh, we grew up as hockey fans. My dad, to this day, and he's in his 80s now, is all about the New York Rangers. Uh, so hockey was was what we were seeing on TV. My grandfather was a, was a, a Mets fan of baseball, but he'd listen to games on the radio. He didn't watch on TV. Um, but uh, so I heard baseball on the radio, but hockey was forever present everywhere and the chance of the chance of 1940 growing up, which was the last time at the time that the uh, Rangers won the Stanley Cup, was uh, my dad was uh, you know forever lamenting about his New York Rangers, and it keeps him going today, really. So, and then fast forwarding to Northern California, I um, was a portrait photographer, um, doing black and white film, working with two women, and we had just a thriving portrait business in Northern California. It was just a great beginning to my professional photography career. Um, but I was always interested in sports and uh, my uh, uh, my son started playing rookie ball, you know, before Little League, you know, like kind of like T-ball and um, machine pitch. And they didn't have a coach, so they asked me to coach, you know, and I really wasn't a coach, but when nobody, you know, is there, you just step up and do the best you can. So I sure. did. And uh, and then literally called me and said, oh, we hear you're coaching. We'd like you to coach. And I said, oh, no, that's a one and done. It was just a, a fluke. But they wanted women coaches because Little League was asking them to have more women coaches. And they didn't have any at the time where they they had one who had stepped out. And uh, so they they taught me how to coach. And I really didn't become much of a coach, but I sure loved the game and the passion for the game and seeing it from that, seeing the culture around baseball became very interesting to me. And then the local newspaper um, saw a photo. I submitted photos for an all-star game and the local newspaper reached out to me and asked if I would shoot um, youth sports, high school sports and college sports for them. And then I started shooting every sport and just 
never looked back. I absolutely love the feeling and the exhilaration of shooting sports. And at the time I was really more exhilarated by the action, but eventually as, as my career progressed, became a visual storyteller. And now I love telling the stories of sports in particular, as you know, baseball. Fantastic. Well, thanks for that. Uh, Jeff, how about you? How did, uh, how did your sports fandom begin? Well, I grew up in a household that uh, really liked sports, both my mom and dad. Uh, fortunately, I was the oldest. I'm the oldest of three. And uh, baseball was king. Uh, basketball and hockey were there as well. We'd go and see uh, John Havlicek Celtics, Bobby Orr's Bruins. But it was the Red Sox that uh, really piqued the interest of my parents, my grandparents. And that was always the forefront of my sports uh, fandom as a kid. I went to my first game at Fenway in 1969 with my parents and grandparents. Remember it well. They played a doubleheader with the Orioles. And uh, and from that point forward, baseball really became a love for me. I immediately wanted to start playing Little League. Uh, and my parents were really supportive of that. My dad, uh, you know, my dad had a full-time job, but he tried to come to my games, which meant a lot to me, and uh, really participate in, in my love of sports. And you know, I thought I was going to go on and become a, a radio broadcaster. That's what I had dreams of doing after I realized I couldn't play at the age of 12. Uh, but uh, ended up uh, not on the radio, but going into baseball, as you mentioned at the top of the broadcast, Doug, that uh, I was fortunate enough to get an internship with the Red Sox out of college in 1986 and uh, immediately knew I felt comfortable being in a ballpark. Uh, that was a setting I really liked. And uh, you know, I, I would have loved to have been the GM of the Red Sox and spent my entire life there, but I went into PR communications and uh, uh, couldn't get anything full time in Boston. And the one team I grew up despising, the Yankees, was the one team that had an opening, uh, you know, in my early 20s. So I made the leap to New York and quickly realized that my love was for baseball, not necessarily the Red Sox. And I was so happy to be in the sport. I uh, spent five years with the Yankees. Uh, late 80s, early 90s, and then Cooperstown reached out to see if I'd like to go there. And what I thought would be one year turned into 26, and uh, baseball became my career. I, I I would not be doing my job if I didn't ask what it was like for a lifelong Red Sox fan to, to walk in a, in an official capacity as a member of the New York Yankees franchise. <laughs> it was uh, – it was, it was pretty – unearthing doug i mean i mean i really when you grow up in a city that has a, a very deep rivalry uh it's it's complicated it's very complicated it's like being on both sides of the political aisle i guess but i i mean i i vowed i'd go to any of the other 22 teams other than the yankees i just did not want to go to the yankees but you know walking in there was okay uh you know i quickly got introduced to george steinbrenner who'd become my boss and he, uh, as a, upon meeting him, I told him how excited I was to be coming to work for the Yankees. And he said, I have three words of advice for you, young man. I said, what's that? He said, rent, don't buy. So that was my, my introduction to New York baseball. And then, of course, while I'm there, the antagonist in my early life, a guy named Bucky Dent, who hit the big home run off of Mike Torres in the 77 playoff game, became our manager. And that was rather surreal for me. The villain in my life, I ended up becoming very, very close with because I worked with him every day. And actually, Bucky's a great guy. Wow, that that is a terrific story. Thanks for that, um, Gene. I I wanted to go back to you. I could a little bit about just photographing um, all sports, but baseball in particular. Um, 
as a photographer now and, and someone who really is focusing primarily on baseball, what, what are the keys to, to doing that? Well, um, besides the equipment and everything that most of us likely are not going to have with us, you know, I have a, a lovely iPhone in my pocket and I have, you know, a, a camera that I purchased the, at the local, um, you know, Coles or what have you, but you know, how, how does one capture sporting events, especially live sporting events, um, in such a, a beautiful way, such as you? Well, I mean, certainly the gear has something to do with it, though I'd like to think I'd like to take all the credit. Um, but, you know, having the right gear uh, makes a big difference in sports photography, in particular sports photography, having gear that's fast, having gear that can shoot 30 frames per second, you know, and just working with um, that kind of gear is certainly helpful. Um, as a sports photographer, whatever sport you're shooting, um, probably one of the most important things is to know the sport well. Um, you, you, the more you shoot the sport, the more you understand it, the better you're going to be at it. The more you know the athlete that you're shooting, the more consistently you're going to get the shot because athletes repeat themselves. They do, and you know this for your Detroit Tigers. I mean, they do, you know, Miguel Cabrera does the same thing. He throws the ball the same way every single time. He hits the ball the same way. His head is tilted the same exact way when the ball comes off the bat. And it's, it's athlete, and the, he's been doing that way probably since high school and, you know, or before. So knowing the sport and knowing your athletes going to more consistently, you're going to get the, the shots and knowing the sport, meaning that if, you know, there's a man on second or third and there's no outs or one out, you are getting ready for a play at the plate. If there's a man on first and there's no outs or one out, you get ready for a double play at second base, you know, so it's knowing the sport really helps in, in shooting it. And then one, I guess one more, just in regards to um, your work as a photographer, professional photographer, that is, has there been any um, moment or image or something that you just really felt was, you know, one of your best, or are they like your, you know, presumably like children where there are no maybe favorites, uh, they're, they're all equally impressive and, and you love them all, or did you have something that kind of rose above? Yeah, I mean, it, it's probably different um, milestones as a photographer that I remember, you know, kind of when you go to the next level, I mean, probably like same as an athlete when you feel like you have a breakout and okay, I've gotten there. And that goes, you know, when you're first getting to a major league field, you're shooting the athlete just standing there like a tree growing out of the baseball field, you know, they're doing nothing and you're so excited you're just taking 30 frames per second of nothing, you know, um, but as you progress, you know, then you set standards for yourself and those standards get higher. And um, for me, there was, you know, a moment of a, a playoff game that I shot at Yankee Stadium quite a few years ago. And I left my photo position where all the photographers were. And I moved to take a picture that nobody else was taking. And it's kind of when you, it's that risk reward thing. So trying to get something different is really more, more what I'm interested in now. Something memorable, trying not to take the same photo as, you know, everybody else and trying to make something just a little different and memorable. And, you know, for that, you take risk and many times you make nothing for your risk, but no, right, nothing ventured, nothing gained. So that's kind of where I'm at now. And then the storytelling, I feel like is really now separating me and taking me on this different path and act, action of course is exhilarating and I still love it and it's part of grassroots baseball for sure but it's the culture it's the you know the 
the geography, the topography, the cathedrals versus the sandlots and, and the sense of place that, you know, the, the stories are interesting now to me and, and telling those stories. And ideally you look at the picture and it doesn't need a caption. You, you get the message or you, you, you know, what's happening. Well, that's an excellent, you know, segue into talking about, you know, the, the project that you all started together back in 19, um, you know, grassroots baseball, you know, how, how does that come about? Um, what was the impetus for that? And then if you could, you know, whomever speak a bit about that first book, that'd be great. Well, when, when grassroots baseball, uh, when, uh, where legends began my first book, uh, when I was putting that together, um, I was the traveling photographer for the national baseball hall of fame museum. So I got a chance to meet a lot of the hall of famers and, and then with Jeff's help, I was able to connect with hall of famers and ask them to tell their stories of what it was like growing up in their early years of playing baseball. And I tied it in with these grassroots images because while I was traveling, shooting the professional game everywhere, I always loved the, amateur game, the grassroots game before contracts and money and lockouts, you know, just the pure love of the game. So I was able to tie these images that people hadn't seen with these Hall of Famer stories. And that was like the, the first book and how grassroots got started. And then Jeff announced his retirement for the National Baseball Hall of Fame. And um, I asked him if he'd be interested in growing grassroots baseball into a not-for-profit, growing it into something more. And I was at a point in my life where giving back was was where I wanted to be, giving back to the sport I love and giving back to the craft I love. And lucky for me, Jeff said yes, and we started grassroots baseball, our nonprofit. Jeff, anything you'd like to um, add to that? No, I just. Uh... Uh, uh, it was uh, it was an offer I couldn't refuse because I loved what Jean had produced with her first book, Grassroots Baseball, Where Legends Begin, uh, which you can get at our website, grassrootsbaseball.org. It's the amateur game around the globe. And taking her concept uh, to put it, put it into a not-for-profit to really give back and help grow the game was something that I felt strongly about as well. So uh, it's been it's been terrific. And our Route 66 project, was pretty magical you have the book we did uh, clinics all along the way we uh, partnered with boys and girls club uh, we uh, we got donations from different sponsors that helped us provide equipment new rawlings gloves and, and baseballs to kids all along route 66 uh, the arizona diamondbacks and padres stepped up marriott stepped up sony stepped up a lot of people stepped to help us do that and uh, we brought hall of famers to many of the spots and for these kids, it was really uh, something they had never really witnessed, Doug. I mean, as Gene will tell you, a number of the kids at the end of the clinic would try to give the glove back, not realizing they got to keep it uh, because they have so little. So we knew we know we grew we grew some new baseball players uh, out of doing those clinics and uh, all of the experiences we've had with Route 66, including our most current one working on grassroots baseball women has been incredibly uh, enjoyable and meaningful. Yeah, you you referenced that I I have this Route 66 and just absolutely fell in love with it as soon as I saw it. I think I saw you all promoting it on the Little League Baseball World Series a year ago, and I immediately flagged it for my wife and said, "This would be perfect for me," and she got it, which was good. Um, where does that inspiration come from for that particular type of a project to follow? You know, the you know American road essentially. Um, and and then also connect it to 
you know, all of those, you know, Hall of Famers and others that have made it to the biggest stage along the way. How, how did that come to you, Gene? It's, um, you know, just starting uh, the not-for-profit and we knew we wanted to give back. It just seemed so Americana, right? Does it get any more Americana than Route 66 and baseball? And then we'd be able to really um, show the cultural differences. I mean, baseball is played the same everywhere, but it looks different in different places. And it was just a really fun way to be able to show the culture of baseball, you know, the the shores of Santa Monica look different than that that sun in the Arizona desert. And, you know, we were on Pueblos in New Mexico and urban games in Chicago and, you know, fields in Oklahoma along Route 66. And just, just you know, and, and you just see everybody's, you know, playing baseball and, and everybody was so delightful, you know, and just all the cultural differences made it just, just an absolute blast. I spent three years along Route 66 creating the project and it couldn't have gone better. I was going to ask, how long did it take from beginning to end? Three years? It was supposed to take two years, but that thing, COVID came along and slowed us down a little bit. So we kept shooting, but, you know, it was tricky out there, you know, and everything, uh, it was it was a strange time, but the, the slowing down helped us a lot. And we also then got everybody's attention to get the essays done. You know, even Alex Bregman, who was, you know, the only current player in the book, you know, trying to get him to write an essay during baseball season is a little tricky. So COVID actually helped us to be able to get the attention of busy people to get their time to get their essays done. And um, so in that way, you know, there's always something good comes out of it. And I know there's some good stories out of COVID. So that was one of them. Great. Yeah. Tens of thousands of folks have played Major League Baseball along the way. How did you come up with or identify whom you wanted to approach to do those essays? I'll let Jeff answer that yeah. one. <laughs> uh, but well, we, Doug, Doug, we wanted to uh, have somebody that uh, in each state that sort of mm -hmm. grew up close to Route 66 that was the impetus was to find you know to start by seeing what our universe is I mean it's a pretty niche <laughs> swath of land when you think of the entire unit United States but uh the, the a lot of them just made a complete sense I mean uh you know Johnny Bench growing up not far from Oklahoma City uh wrote a great essay George Brett and El Segundo not far from Santa Monica where he grew up uh Jim Tomey in Illinois uh, Billy Hatcher grew up in Williams, Arizona, right along Route 66. So each of the each of the uh, subjects that we chose had a, a deep tie to the area and really spoke beautifully, including Alex Bregman, who uh, grew up, you know, uh, hanging out with the University of New Mexico baseball team and their coach, Ray Birmingham, who sort of adopted him and took him on the road mm -hmm. all along Route 66 back and forth as they were playing games. So they all had deep ties to the to the mother road and uh, the essays they wrote were really personal, really cool. And I think give you a pretty good snapshot of what life was like when they were growing up there. And were they like in immediately or did it take a little um, visioning for them to kind of see the, the, the wisdom or, or the, the thoughts that you had behind um, this project? Well, first they needed to know the imagery and, and Gene's, you know, so well known and had been with the Hall of Fame that that was easy. I mean, the, the fact that they wanted once they realized the book was about her images in the towns they grew up in, it pretty much became a no brainer. I, I joke with Gene with both books that we needed to or not joke, but I said, you know, we need to have two or three options for each of your topics. And no one said no. 
Doug. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> said no, which is a testament to her work, uh, but also how they feel about the game and the amateur game. Yeah. Yeah, what a, that is a, a terrific testament, certainly. Um, now let's pivot if we can and, and talk about um, the one the project that's undergoing right now. You're undergoing right now, which is uh, grassroots baseball women. Um, I know that in reviewing, you know, your website and some other things, I've seen some some videos that are up and some some images. But but what is the overall um, uh, thought on what this is going to look like at the end of the day? We. Um... Yeah, sure. We we announced grassroots baseball women um, on International Women's Day in in 2022 last year, and the project um, is to share the stories of the past, present, and future of girls and women in baseball on the field, off the field, around the globe. Um, we started the, our storytelling at the um, Women's College Club Baseball Championship in Compton, California. And we've been telling stories and it's been just so, um, so wonderful to tell the stories of women from the AAGPBL, the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League. And we've added video to our storytelling for this project, which has been um, interesting and challenging. And, you know, it's uh, keeping me going, keeping us going because we're learning so much new. But we just felt like video was important to tell to tell these stories. So. The interviews have been just wonderful um, and just learning so much about women and girls in baseball and getting it out there. And I mean, so many people don't even know that girls and women play baseball or in, are in baseball. And there's just so much. It's such a timely project. You know, it's just so I mean, the first woman baseball coach uh, for Major League Baseball, Alyssa Nacken, you know, the first uh, we've got probably 20 women that have been playing on men's college teams, including Olivia Pichardo, who's the first woman to play D1 baseball. Veronica Alvarez, who was a roving catching instructor for the Oakland A's, and now she's a heads up international player development for the Oakland A's, and she's the manager of the women's USA baseball team. And it just, the, the, the stories of Kim Eng, of course, now we'll see where she goes next. It'll be interesting, but the first woman GM hired by Derek Jeter, you know, how cool. And so there's just so many, you know, it started, you know, baseball is not new to women. I mean, in 1866, there was a college, uh, women's college baseball team at Vassar College. And the door is open and closed for women throughout the years. But now the door has just been blown off the hinges. And um, it's just a terrific time to tell these stories and to help these women and to grow the game, just like we wanted to do with, you know, at the youngest level, it just seemed like the right thing to do to spend our time um, telling these stories and doing our part. Now, anything to add there, Jeff? No, I just, uh, I, I uh, think Gene sums it up beautifully. And, and I think what we're seeing is a really big push, which is encouraging of young, younger girls playing baseball, Doug, baseball for all, uh, had 800 girls at their uh, tournament this summer. And, you know, Gene mentioned the col uh, the collegiate championships, the club championships, and it really shows you that the women's game is starting to take uh, better hold. I mean, Title IX said that softball is the like sport, which is really unfair. Uh, it's a very different sport than baseball. And uh, you know, so for women to have that opportunity now, many years later, in a more significant way is great because everybody deserves opportunity and there are plenty of girls that want to play baseball in America 
just like there are girls playing baseball in countries like Japan, Korea, and Australia. Um, and, and Jeff, I know that you weren't president at the time, but I think you may have been at the hall when the women in baseball exhibit opened. Um, what what was that experience like um, in in the city or the village of Cooperstown at that time, and and how monumental was that? Do you recall? Well, it was it was it was just a few years before I got there, Doug. But we I was there when we when we uh, revamped the exhibit uh, mm -hmm. and uh, upgraded it to call dirt on its dirt on their skirts. Mm -hmm. uh, but the it, it's a great story about how the exhibit came about. The original women in baseball is that the curators at the time felt that this was a story worth telling. You got to remember this is like 1986, 87. So there's really not uh, much uh, in the way of baseball for women that's known. Uh, but the curators there decided they wanted to dig in and tell the story. Uh, the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League had their was having a reunion in 88. And so they were uh, poised to have it in Cooperstown. And uh, it, it, as we were opening the exhibit, so we invited them all for the exhibit opening. Penny Marshall read about this in The New York Times that this was going to happen and invited herself to Cooperstown to see if there was actually a story there. She brought a beta beta cam with her if you remember the old beta cams those giant things yeah and she left just beyond stunned with what a great story this was of the aagpbl and of course it was the impetus then for her uh writing the movie or develop or developing the movie a league of their own and as a thank you to the hall of fame for giving her the, that inspiration along with the aagpbl she put cooperstown at the beginning and end of that film uh, which just led to a massive amount of women suddenly flocking to Cooperstown to learn more about women's baseball. So um, it was a great story how that exhibition opened and how it became the impetus for a league of their own. Yeah, um, tr truly a remarkable exhibit. And um, yeah, I, I always get a little misty eyed during the movie as well. <laughs> but that's a testament to just how you know baseball can really get inside of you and, and tug at the heartstrings, which... I think is a great place to come back um, to Gene again. I know that you're in mid project right now, but I would imagine as a creative, you're always thinking of the next project, uh, especially as a storyteller. So what other types of stories do you, do you hope to tell, or is that all under lock and key and something that you just simply are not willing to share on, on conversations with sports fans? Well, I'm afraid to tell you the truth because if Jeff hears that he might just run away right now because he's <laughs> he's going to be a arrest coming up uh, after this month. But so we promised that after Route 66, I, you know, it was like, well, yeah, we'll take a break when Route 66 before we start. And we ended up, you know, shooting this all girls game for the Route 66 book. And it was like, wow, this is our next project. And so there was no break. And as the book was being released, we were already telling the stories of women in baseball. So I'm thinking because we have more time, I'd like to surprise Jeff and let him think still that we're going to be taking a rest uh, after this one. But somehow something's going to uh, to come about. Um, yeah, but uh, th there's there's so many great causes out there and 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 stories to tell um, the international game really comes to mind and kids in the international game. And I mean, look how, what a big part of international um, uh, players are in major league baseball. I mean, what is it? Something like 30%, you know, Latin American. And, you know, so whether that's telling the stories of, 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 of cultures represented or maybe under, you know, not represented, 
um, I think there's just great stories to tell. So maybe internationally, though, my son keeps telling me, why don't I try to do something that doesn't require so much travel? <laughs> but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, have you, yeah. this is a complete, you know, digression, bird walk, what have you, but have you ever had the opportunity to shoot the Caribbean series? Oh my God. I, I, I did it every year for the longest time and absolutely loved it. Uh, it's just to me so exciting. I know this year it's going to be in Miami, which is really going to change a lot because I like that it rotated countries for the countries that are playing. Yeah. So to me that's more authentic. I understand that it'll be exciting for us fans. So that's a, a great thing, of course, but um, yeah, I've shot it in many different places and, and, um, and just the, the, the the country pride and the way those games go and how I mean they're really playing for their country it's 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 some of the most exciting baseball Columbia won for the first time last year and I was there for that and just I mean these players were crying you know it was just that emotional for them at the end of the game that they get to take that trophy home back to Columbia it's just great level of play and 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 the fans of course the fandom is is have yeah. you gone I have not. I'm, you know, constantly on the lookout for an event to go to. And for some reason, this one, maybe it was because of um, the work stoppage a year ago. And I think that was, you know, a lot of the baseball that we had early on was the the Caribbean series. And I found myself watching ESPN Deportes or whatever, Spanish language speaking, not a word of it, understanding nothing, but understanding exactly what was going on and just you know, loved what I saw and and found myself again watching it this year too. So I, it's one of those events that I have on my list now of things that I would like to get to before I leave this planet. Yeah, I mean, head over to Miami. That'll probably be so easy, you know, and what's going to be just terrific. You know? I feel like that's cheating though. I, I think if I want to go to the Caribbean series, I need to go off the continental U.S. Yeah. to someplace, right? I, I agree. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's so fun, you know, and then just seeing the players from Cuba, you know, and um, I don't think Cuba will be in Miami. I'm pretty sure they're not going to be there, which changes it too. So because Cuba should be there. So that, that, that's, that's too bad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, get to the Caribbean. I, I'm with you. Um, Jeff, international baseball, what is your um, perspective on that? Having, you know, been in, in, in Cooperstown and seen, um, you know, so many international stars come through over the years um how has that changed the game and and what is it like from your perspective well i think like anything doug uh, the more competition you have the better the product you're going to have at the end of the day um you know i think for baseball you know some of it is also economics unfortunately because labor is cheaper coming from other countries but the reality is is the the product is great and uh you know, as Gene mentioned, the internationalization of the game gets deeper and deeper every year, where it's 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 well over 30 percent of uh, players on opening day rosters were not from the United States. Uh, you know, conversely, uh, you know, in the in the in the areas that are the have nots, the, the depressed areas, you're seeing a decline in baseball, which is why we got involved with grassroots. I think, Gene, if I'm not mistaken, in last year's World Series, there were no African-Americans. Is that correct? Yeah, no African, no, no, yeah, no, there was no black players on either team. Of course, there was Matt, there was managers, coaches, but no players. So yeah, so seeing that uh, uh, was was kind of shocking, and I think that that hadn't happened since maybe the 1950s. And of course, this World Series, 
um, that wasn't the case. But yeah, there needs to be more um, for sure. But and but thinking about the international players, like just that question, I, I also think, Jeff, especially you at the Hall of Fame, it's like seeing a player like Vladimir Guerrero, right, coming from a place like Don Gregorio, and I've been to his hometown, and those dirt roads, and he still lives in that same town where he grew up in, and the story of just such a humble beginning, you know, with and speaking no English and like not only making it to the major leagues, but making it all the way to the Baseball Hall of Fame, like and just from where he started. And those stories are are incredible. Just I mean, he was the third player right from the Dominican Republic to be inducted. Was a third. Yeah. 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 He first position player after uh, Marichal and Pedro. Yeah. Pedro. So, yeah, so no, you to, Doug, back to your question. Yeah, the international game is strong. I think you also realize, and we start, you know, for many, many years, we say, oh, Japanese baseball is not as strong as the major leagues. It's really 3A or 4A. But if you look at both the women's and men's side, on the men's side, uh, they've dominated in the World Baseball Classic. They won again last year. And on the women's side, they haven't lost a game since 2010. So, I think that the myth is being dispelled that the game is inferior in Japan to America. That's a quite a winning streak. <laughs> yeah, you think? <laughs> um, and Ichiro Suzuki has the most hits out of any baseball player. Professional right. Baseball yeah. Player. Well, he he was uh, something else, um, you know, crazy. And uh, his day in Cooperstown is coming soon. Um I, I want to be sensitive to your time. So I, I, the, the gift of 30 plus minutes has been fantastic, but I would also, I, I need to ask you my final question for, for folks these days, which is um, if you could go back um, to any event in history, whether it was one that you perhaps did see in person or not uh, sporting event, that is um, what would that be and why? Gene, you want to go first or you want me to? Yeah, I want to be the photographer that was on the field and Jackie Robinson was sliding home. And who tagged him out? He was safe. He was out. That's right, Yogi. I want, <laughs> I want to be the one that took that picture. I want to be standing on the field like that photographer was and be back in that era. I want to shoot Jackie Robinson. That's what I, I, I want to be in that whole era, like that beginning uh uh, that part of baseball when Jackie Robinson, you know, first uh, came into the majors. I, I think that's, that would be just such an amazing time. And I want to be on the field. I'll wear like a suit and one of those hats, like the photographers did back in the day, but what an amazing time to be a sports photographer. I'd like to use my Sony cameras now while I go back in time. Yeah, I was, I was going to ask if you were taking this your equipment with fantasy. you or not. <laughs> <laughs> I get to choose. I'm going to bring my Sony A1s and my 400, and I'm going to be on the field shooting Jackie Robinson. <laughs> Very good. How about you, Jeff? Well, I wouldn't mind uh, having been in the bleachers at the 1932 World Series when uh, Babe Ruth hit his home run off of Charlie Root and uh, been there to see that he actually called his shot. Uh, you know, it's a, it's always a big debate, and uh, whether he was just gesturing at uh, Charlie Root or he was pointing to center field will always be there. I'd like to believe he was uh, uh, pointing to center field. What's so interesting about the, that was in the 1932 World Series, and what other really interesting note about Babe Ruth in 27 was when he hit 60. I wouldn't have mind being there for some of that. 
He out-homered every other American League team. Every other, he out-homered all seven American League teams himself. And the Hall of Fame has one bat from that season of his. And uh, what's so cool about it, Doug, is that when he got back to the bench, he would do a little notch along the trademark if he hit a home run. That bat has 28 notches, which as a piece is really cool. And to think that that bat didn't shatter at any point is also pretty amazing. That is, that is a, a very, very cool um, artifact and and not surprising that, that it would be in Cooperstown. Um, one last thing before we go, if, if folks who listen to this want to get involved with grassroots baseball um, beyond, um, you know, ordering books and those types of things, what, what can they do? How can they help? Well, we are, uh, we're a 501c not, uh, 501c3 not-for-profit, and uh, we, we would love help in uh, promoting the game. So if people want to make a donation, they can go to our website, grassrootsbaseball.org. Uh, they can buy our book, uh, Grassroots Baseball, Where Legends Begin. We're sold out of Route 66. Doug, you're one of the lucky few. Uh, but by and large, just love the game, respect the game, and help grow the game. That's what we all want to do. Well, I cannot thank the two of you enough. Uh, very, very uh, enjoyable for me, and and I have no doubt for our listeners as well. Thanks again. Thanks. Thanks for the time. Yeah, thanks for having us, Doug. Conversations with Sports Fans is a production of The Sports Fan Project. Our theme music is, fittingly, entitled Wooden Championships by Lobo Loco. Please visit our website at thesportsfanproject.com for more information and to contact us. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, please share it with other sports fans you know and invite them to give it a listen.